Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. It is the latest fight over transgender rights. And once again, the epicenter is Texas. Breaking tonight, a major court ruling over transgender care in Texas. An Austin judge blocking the state from investigating gender-confirming care for transgender youth as child abuse. It's true that battles over transgender rights have become much more prominent in much more recent years. But it's not like this is something that just popped up immediately in 2022, uh, or even in 21 for that matter. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. Education reporter Juan Perez has been covering the state battle to criminalize transgender care. Conservatives have really been using this to rally the base and, and express their own social agenda concerns. On the show today, the move by Republican lawmakers and conservative groups to seize the potent politics of transition-related medical care. There's this category of legislation and executive action that specifically goes after gender-affirming care. Criminalizing gender-affirming care is a pretty recent phenomenon. But again, it's part of a broader context here, and and that includes uh, conservative efforts to make other limits on how transgender youth participate in school sports, for example, or how, um, you know, who can access a bathroom and when, setting out definitions for how that kind of thing works. Uh, Again, very potent political issues here, uh, but ones that are really now ensnared in federal civil rights law and uh, a whole bunch of other just practical public policy and medical policy considerations that have pretty resounding impacts. Let's start with last month's letter by Governor Greg Abbott to the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services. Can you catch me up on what's been happening in Texas? Yeah, there's there's been a lot. So strap in for a second and, and, and we'll walk through it. Let's start with this. Texas lawmakers have tried, but so far they've failed to pass legislation that would outlaw gender-affirming care for adolescents with gender dysphoria. This is a trend that we've been seeing in other states that we can talk about in a second. But the important thing to note is that the legislature hasn't been able to act on this in Texas yet. But in recent weeks, we've seen the state's executive branch get involved with its own efforts. And this is as both Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Attorney General Ken Paxton carry out their respective reelection campaigns. So let's just start at the kind of the beginning here. On February 18th, the attorney general issued a non-binding legal opinion that nevertheless asserted that gender-affirming care, including surgical procedures and notably the administration of puberty blocking and drugs and hormone therapy, he asserted that this would qualify as child abuse under Texas law. Now, we should note, of course, that there's a range of prominent American medical groups and experts that really disagree with that characterization. But... Abbott followed up on February 22nd with a directive that ordered the state's Department of Family and Protective Services to launch investigations into the use of gender-affirming care. Mm -hmm. And he also called for inquiries into parents and medical providers who allegedly violate the laws as Texas sees it. Right. Following that, investigations were soon underway. There was an array of civil rights groups, uh, a clinical psychologist, and actually the family of a Texas child protection worker who then sued Abbott and the department this month uh, after the department launched an investigation into one of its employees who is also the parent of a 16-year-old transgender girl. 
Uh, and so to catch you up here, an Austin-based judge ordered a halt to those investigations across the state until courts sort out the legal arguments. But uh, the attorney general has appealed that ruling and, and promised that these investigations will continue. Now, that's Texas. But again, it's important to think of the broader context here. A host of other states are weighing various proposals to ban gender-affirming care. And, and this comes as conservatives, as you know, rally their voters with related fights over access to bathrooms and sports participation. As you mentioned, this isn't limited to Texas, and you've been writing about how this is manifesting in other states. So tell me where else this is happening. Sure. So it bears noting that the ACLU, which is one of the most prominent opponents of these legislative efforts, has counted no fewer than 18 states where lawmakers are considering some form or, or limit or ban on care for transgender youth. Idaho was one of them. Alabama's another. Arizona is another one. We'll get into some of the details of those in a minute here. But I think it's worth noting first that even though those efforts are kind of in process so far this year, they wouldn't necessarily be the first to do this. In fact, Arkansas last year was the first state to approve a local ban on gender-affirming care for transgender youth. This happened after the state's Republican governor, Asa Hutchinson, actually vetoed that measure, but lawmakers overrode him. Now, that law is currently on hold as a lawsuit to stop it kind of works its way through the federal court system. But again, mm -hmm. a lot of other legislative efforts happening across the states. One of the year's most significant efforts that we've noted is happening in Idaho, or rather was happening in Idaho. And let me explain that a little bit. House lawmakers in Idaho this month, in a largely party line vote, uh, approved a measure that would uh, ban the use of uh, puberty blocking medications and, and other medical care uh, for people under the age of 18. Part of what was notable about that measure, though, was the fact that doing so, violating the law, if it was approved, would be a felony punishable with up to a life sentence in prison. And not just that, wow. but, but any adult who authorized gender-affirming care for a child or helped a child leave the state to receive such care would also have been guilty of a felony under the proposal. That was a, a pretty big step. And despite support, obviously, from Republican lawmakers, the bill ran into a lot of opposition from a variety of groups, including the Idaho Medical Association. One thing that's really important to note here. There's a, there's a big update to this. Even though Idaho lawmakers approved that legislation and sent it along to the Senate uh, on March 15th, the state Senate's majority caucus said that uh, it wasn't going to be taking on this bill. And hmm. there was a variety of reasons for that. Republican senators said that uh, the bill undermines parental rights, uh, allows the government to interfere in parents' medical decision-making authority for their children. And the Republicans in the Senate, you know, repeated the, their idea that, um, you know, they believe in parents' rights and that the best decisions regarding treatment options are, are best made by parents. Now, that's not to say they don't uh, oppose the use of gender-affirming care on minors, but uh, this legislation, at least in this form, isn't going to make it through the Senate, at least right now, because uh, Republicans are concerned that the bill's current language could be uh, interpreted to extend in, into realms beyond which the, the legislation is meant to target, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. that's, I think, kind of shows a little bit of sort of the Republican soul searching on this that we saw perhaps from uh, 
Governor Hutchinson in, in Arkansas last year. But I think it's worth noting that it doesn't seem as if this kind of legislation or efforts to approve this kind of legislation are going to slow down as we approach the midterms and, and certainly the 2024 presidential election. Yeah, it seems like it's just increasingly part of the platform in some GOP elections, at least. It's a very potent subject that has uh, a lot of ability to rally social conservatives. And that's important for the base. But there's also a question as to whether or not this is policy that's going to do just that or policy that's going to run into serious scrutiny in the courts. Hmm. One thing that's important to note is the Biden administration and the Department of Health and Human Services have mounted pretty harsh criticism, to put it mildly, towards a lot of these efforts that are happening in the states right now. And they've targeted Texas and and Florida in particular. But in the case of Texas, it's important to note that uh, Biden has described what's happening there as government overreach at its worst. Uh, the, The Secretary of Health and Human Services has issued guidance reminding people on the ground that in the government's interpretation, you know, these sorts of restrictions would violate federal civil rights law. And so it would not be surprising at all if we see the federal government take, at least under this administration, make a more forceful intervention, either in the courts or uh, through policy somehow, to kind of reinforce its position that uh, the denial of services or care uh, would in fact be a violation of federal civil rights law. Um, Now, whether or not we see that kind of challenge, when we see that kind of challenge, it's not clear. But again, I would be surprised if the White House and uh, other elements of the federal government don't take a more strenuous stance against this kind of thing. That's going to be one interesting element to watch. But of course, there is also a governor's race happening in Texas right now. Greg Abbott's currently facing a challenge from uh, former rep, Representative Beto O'Rourke. And uh, these sorts of issues are, are going to be part of the debate. To what extent, we'll, we'll see about that. But there's no question that this is going to be kind of underlying that race and certainly other races that are playing out across the country. Juan Perez, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also in the news, the House of Representatives voted Thursday 428 to 8 to revoke normal trade relations with Russia and its ally Belarus until 2024. The bill now moves to the Senate. And President Joe Biden announced Thursday that Ashish Jha will be the next White House COVID-19 response coordinator. Jha is the dean of Brown University's School of Public Health and replaces Jeffrey Zentz, who has headed the Biden administration's coronavirus response since January 2021 and will return to private life in April. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. Dispatch's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan, and our executive producer is Jenny Amond. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.